0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find of church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. And like we said last week, if you're a good cook, cook something awesome and bring it in. And If you're not a good cook, just come to eat. Just come and hang out. That's about, that's okay with that, but Welcome. I was just sitting here thinking last night and this morning, uh, four years ago this month is when my wife, my name is Chris, this is my wife Emmerich, when we came to visit Columbia, South Carolina. We had never really been here before. We knew the name and we had seen the map and we had looked at the demographics and we felt like that's where God called us to go and plant a church. We knew not one person here, so we came in December. Um, Jonathan right here he made the trip with us uh, the drummer and brother-in-law and youth pastor and kids minister and everything and his wife and and we came out here for a week we checked it out and it was so funny cuz every single time we came here we wanted to go to like Columbia so we're like we were thinking God's sending us to reach people like we wanted to go to the worst neighborhood we could find so we were looking at for the worst neighborhood and like where can we live And we couldn't find any hotel rooms over there. We couldn't find any place to stay. So we got a house on the lake. And we're like, fine, we'll stay at the lake, and we'll go drive down to Columbia. So we did that. But we ended up hanging out in Lexington and just checking it out. And then when we moved here um, three, four years ago, so that was four years ago, we moved here three years ago, we moved here, we kept looking for a house. And we looked at all kinds of houses and, like, different areas. And by then, God had spoken to us about the lake, because really, we didn't know the area. We got here. We saw the lake. We're like, that's awesome. Let's put the church close to that. You know, God spoke about that. So we were looking in Irmo and trying to get houses, and we couldn't get there. Couldn't get them. So for a, two months, we're, we're, we're basically homeless, living in my parents' house. I'm driving from Aiken all the way over here every day. My wife is looking for homes, looking for houses. I'd meet her on lunch, or I'd meet her after work. No house has happened. And so finally, I just went home, I got upset, and I was like, all right, fine, fine, God, where do you want this church? Because, like, you can't live far away from your church, that's not cool. Where do you want this church? And he showed me this area, and I think within, I don't know, maybe two weeks later after that, a week or two later, we got the house, at least got the contract, we moved here, and God's been so faithful. To go from not knowing anybody to all you beautiful, wonderful, shining faces, y'all are beautiful. But thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. But we're, let's open up in prayer, and, um, and then we're going to talk about some life hacks. So, uh, life, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for seeing this um, come to pass. You've been faithful. Um, God, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, and it's been a lot of hard work, and it's been a lot of fun. God, but uh, this is my declaration for me, and I hope the church grabs onto it. Lord, we are done working for you. We just want to work with you. We want to work hand in hand with you in what you want to do to reach Lexington, Red Bank, Gilbert, Irmo, downtown Columbia, and this state, Lord. Let us be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about life hacks, and so the, 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 re, the way this came about is, my kids and I, we watch things on TV, and they have all these YouTube do-it-yourself and life hacks, and some of them are just, like, really dumb. They're just really stupid, and you watch, and you're like, why would you do that? Like, take 85 minutes to, to make one thing that you're never going to use out of a Tic-Tac can or something. But I thought, like, the thing that has real hacks is Scripture. Like, there's so many things in there that, that it's good just to cover them. There, there's things that are just basic, but, but if people would get a hold of them, like, I think lives would be different. And so everything I've shared over these past couple weeks is stuff that I really think has been life-changing for me. I try not to preach anything to you that I'm not currently actively involved in. I try my best not to be a hypocrite. Not perfect, but it's like I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so this one that we're going to talk about today is, is something that's very dear to me because I would not be here today um, if it was not for it. We're going to talk about prayer. And so let's just look at the Scripture. Let's just look in, um, we have the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. They'll be on the screen, and they're in your paper. If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand, and somebody can come and make sure you get one. So there's somebody over here that can get one. Um, But it says, Jesus, in verse 12, Jesus went into the temple complex, and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers and tables. And the chairs of those selling doves. I don't think that we spend enough time in this story. Because it's really one of the best stories in the Bible. Apart from the story where Jesus spits in the mud and rubs it in a guy's eyes. Kids love this story. All right, Kids always love the spit in the mud healing story. But if you want to go to another story. This is like the one story where Jesus gets really mad. Like ticked off. Like we pictured baby Jesus, sweet seven pound, eight ounce baby Jesus in the manger. We picture that Jesus. We picture holy Jesus that he's, he's walking through the, the villages and he's healing people and he's bringing restoration. We picture brave Jesus going to the cross. But do you picture Jesus, it says like kicking tables over? That means it's okay to do that, guys. Say praise God. Say, I'm being like, Jesus, get this crap out of here. No, but that's exactly what happened, is Jesus walked into the temple, into the house of God, and there were people buying things, they were selling things, they were making the temple about themselves. What had happened in there is they did sacrifices in the temple, And so obviously you couldn't always travel long distances with your sacrifice. So you would turn your produce or whatever your animals into money. It's easier to travel with a coin bag. You walk all the way over to Jerusalem because, you know, there were no planes and cars. You get to Jerusalem and you need to do your sacrifice. So you take that money and you need to buy another animal. So you took your animal, sold it, turned the money, turned that money back into an animal and had that sacrifice. Well, they had built this whole system in the temple to where the temple was all self-serving. People were getting rich in church. Now we promise, and our goal, we don't ever want to sell you guys anything. In fact, all this stuff in here is yours. You guys pay for it. So if you really want it, Come take it, but can you wait till afterwards? (laughs) Because we're using it now. It's your stuff, though. But they had turned this temple into like um, a self-serving, build my own kingdom, this is my kingdom here place. Jesus lost it. There's very few things in the scripture that make Jesus lose it, and this is one of them. And he kicks over the temples. There's, there's other scriptures where it says he, he made a, t- a cat and nine tails a whip, the same one that they whipped him with. He was like, my turn. And he went, whoosh, and he whipped them, and he got them all out of there. And he threw and messed up all their stuff. But he says, this is the reason why. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, which you are making it a den of thieves. It is not just that they were making it a den of thieves. There were lots of thieves in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't go around kicking over every thieves' table. In fact, the thieves liked him. The tax collectors, the people that rip people off for the money for the Roman government, they liked him. He didn't have a big problem with thieves because thieves loved him. What he had a problem with was misusing the house of God. And I have to tell you something. You are the house of God. You are the temple of God's spirit, not this building, not this gym, but you. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer was the one thing that fired Jesus up enough, because the first thing on the back of your outline says, the very back, it says, prayer is essential. It is the essence of what I think it means to connect with God. Yes, we connect to God through Jesus Christ, but God is spirit, is he not? You can't go to Jerusalem today and see God sitting somewhere and walk up to God and say, hey, God, here's my stuff. The only way you can connect with God is through prayer. How do you get saved? Through prayer. You start your walk with God through prayer. And your walk will only continue and be fruitful if you learn how to pray. It's essential. There are so many good things that God has for you. God has good stuff for you. The problem is, is we start with prayer, and then it just kind of fizzles away. It disappears. It's not essential in our lives. And so we want to talk about prayer today. I want to go um, look at a, a couple more scriptures. And, um, and, then, and then I, then I want to practice because, you know, last night I prayed for you. Probably too long. Because I care about you. It's not just because I was going to talk about prayer, but I was like, prayer actually works, so why don't we do it? Yeah. Or if it doesn't work, let's just cut it out and do something else. But let's um, go. This is Paul speaking, and it's in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And it's verse 18. Pray at all times, all times, in the Spirit, with every prayer and request. Prayer is the number one opportunity you have to connect with God's Spirit. God's Spirit, now don't judge me, don't get mad and leave. I mean, you can if you want, it's a free country. But, God's Spirit does not live in the Bible. Mary Beth, let me see your Bible. I use a Bible on a phone. This is a better example right here. I know you're turning. It's okay. I'll help you out. I'll get you. All right, right here. So this is is the Bible. God's Spirit doesn't live here. This is good. You better know this. But it's not like you can lay this on your pillow and all the bad things in your life go away. There's no magic amulets in this thing. There is a connection to a living God through his Spirit that is wide open for all of us. Thank you, Mary. I closed it on you. Jonathan, find Ephesians that for her, please. <laughs> and stay alert with all per- perseverance. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. So three things Lakeside should know about prayer number one is I hope if you're part of this church, if God has called you here and we're two years in and you want to see what God can do in the next two years, if God did this much with, with, with us, like when I say us, it was like. If God could use us, and we are nothing special, like sometimes we don't even like each other. I'm just kidding. We always love each other. I'm just kidding. Sorry, Jonathan. Don't get mad. No, but if God could use us, we love each other at all times. Imagine what God could do with us in the next two years because we are nothing special. We're just trying to maintain our own lives and work with Jesus. But live a lifestyle of prayer. Live a lifestyle of prayer. See, that's the blank right there, or live a life of prayer. See, the scripture says, pray at all times with every prayer and request. Now, this may not be the best example. Anybody married in here, if you're married, raise your hand. If you're single, don't feel bad. All right, marry people. Now, in our family, and what I've seen in most male families, in the male side of the relationship, is there will be things inside the pantry that will not actually be there. And my wife will say, I'll be like, where's the paper plates? She says, they're in the pantry. I walk up to the pantry. I spend 35, 30, 45 seconds. I look on every shelf in that pantry. It is not there. I say, babe, it's not there, are they somewhere else? No, they're in the pantry. I turn around, I give another 15 seconds at this point. I say, babe, they're not here, we're out of paper plates. You're wrong, there's no paper plates here. She walks up, she sticks her hand through a portal. (laughs) She reaches into some unknown dimension and pulls out paper plates. Now, that's exactly what it feels like. They were not there before you showed up. And I would make the case that every single one of you is standing before the pantry of God's blessings, and you're looking into it, and you're saying, God, it's not here. You're not here, and he's saying, it is. Just ask me. And you've looked, and you're frustrated, and you're tired, and it's not here. Prayer going into the pantry and actually finding it. Now, the secret is, is I probably give up looking too fast. Because I don't think there's a portal unless ladies have something going on. But I bet the the plates were there all along. God's blessings are there for you. Prayer is how you connect with them. It's how you connect with the mind of God. How are you going to connect with the mind of a spiritual being in a physical way. You can only do it by opening up your spirit, by praying, by coming to him through Jesus Christ, through the blood that he shed and and spending some time praying. Now I'm going to say this is lifestyle prayer, and here's a little thing. It takes time. You can't go to the pantry every time and look in there and see it. It just doesn't happen. Sometimes you're like, no, it is really not here. There is no blessing, God. You have given up. This is all falling apart. But prayer takes time. And this is what happens during the time, at least just when Chris goes to pray. When Chris goes to pray, the first five or so minutes are Chris thinking about everything he would rather be doing or should be doing. Anybody have responsibilities? And you're like, how can I take five minutes to do this? I got to get going. Like this was a week I literally ran out of the house most days. Like, hurry up, i got to go, let's go, you know, running. Like, it was running. So the first couple minutes of prayer are always that way. So here's an advice. This is what I do. Somebody told me this back when they had paper, but now we have cell phones, so I'll give you the updated version. Is I take a phone out, and anything I think about, I write it down, I'll say, I'll do it later. So I start to pray, and something bothers me, I just write it down. And then eventually, my mind is cleared of all the stuff I know i got to do, and I won't forget because I wrote it down. The next thing that happens is then you start repenting. Because how can you ask God for something when you got an issue with God? I can't really say, babe, where are the paper plates when I know she's mad at me. I don't, I don't get her ticked off and then go look for the paper plates. No, I go back I say, baby, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You know, I did something I shouldn't have, you know. I'm sorry, you know, whatever. But I I say it for real, and we apologize, and we get better. And then I'm like, there's no plates in this thing. (laughs) You are lying. There's none in here. So the first part is worrying about all the things you got to do. The second part is worrying about all the things that are wrong with you. And you know what you do? You believe. I believe you love me, God. I believe when I confess this, you'll forgive me. I believe you can take care of this. And then once you've gone through all that stuff, then you can actually pray. Then you can actually lift up a request. Think about how much better your life would be. And I'm just saying, if number one, you had a list of things you had to do so you wouldn't forget about them, that'd be nice. Number two, every day or multiple times a day, you got right with God. Like, God, how could I ask you for this when I have this going on? And then you'd have time to ask God for other things, which moves us into our next point, which is stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Point number two is be a church of intercessors. Be a church of intercessors. Now that's a church word. All right, that's okay. If you've never seen that word, don't feel bad because that's not a word you hear in your daily life. There's not a rap song or a country song that has intercessor in it, as far as I know. So, intercessor, it's somebody who goes in front of another on behalf of someone else. For instance, Robert's king. Jonathan has issues with the king. Somebody else goes before the king and says, hey, hey, king, be nice. It's not that bad. Or I know he deserves the destruction, but could you be nice? Could you show your mercy? You're interceding on behalf of another. We need to be a church of intercessors. Every Sunday at 9 a.m. minimum, there's a room over there that's open for intercession. There were four of us in there today. It was great. I already had church. I almost left. I said, let them figure it out. They have the Bible, and they know enough. Let them figure it out. But I had church in there. God showed up. I felt encouraged. Weights were lifted. Things were healed in me. I mean, we had church in that room with four people, and we prayed. We didn't have a band. I didn't say, Rhonda, get in here. Buck, play that heart. We just prayed. and We prayed for you for all the stuff you're going through. Felt like God spoke to us about some of you. We lifted you up because we care. We wanted to intercede on your behalf to, to pray for you when maybe you were too weak to pray for yourself. If That guy's on coma, in a coma, and he, he can't move. Somebody goes to the doctor, and they say, well, let's try this, or let's do that, or let's approve this, or don't do that. They're, they're making decisions. They're interceding, and there's some people in here, you're so spiritually beat up The world has kicked you around. The season is kicking you around. And you need people to pray for you. But I'll tell you this other thing. I've never seen a change happen in my personal experience or in church history that didn't have a huge intercessory prayer component. Because praying connects you to the mind of God. Praying changes you. Staying in prayer does something. Now, this is different. This is not sit and get Christianity. If you want sit and get Christianity, it doesn't exist. There's some things pretending to be, but it's not the real thing. There's only come and play. There's only come and play. Come and be a part of it. But that intercessory prayer room, Miss Brenda, where's Miss Brenda she said, this week we talked, we talked about prayer. She said, you guys pray in the morning, I'll be there. Miss Brenda said at 9 o'clock, the car won't start. I said, you want somebody to come give you a jump or something? No, I got it, I don't know. take care of it. I said, all right, well, if you need anything, let me know. Didn't hear back, perfect excuse. Car won't start, just let me put a cup of coffee on, put some church on TV, maybe a YouTube video. I'm just going to stay here. 9.45, she showed up. I don't know what she did. She prayed for it. She kicked it. She jump-started I don't know what she did. But she said, I might not be able to leave. But I wanted to come to pray. Because she knows the power of prayer. This man and I, like, we, we started a youth group. I'm going to make him stand up just because I love him. And my back hurts so I can lean on him a little bit. But this man right here, we started, like, a youth ministry. And we, like, it was us in a gym. And it went up, we had like 125 kids by the time we were done, which I'm not talking about like church kids, like want to go to church, I'm talking about like thugs and people that don't believe in things, and I'm not saying thugs don't believe in things, but I'm saying like this specific brand of kids, they had no reference, they like, some of them worshipped idols, this was Miami, this was like not the culture maybe that's here, but they were like weird backgrounds of stuff. And they'd come into church, and they'd get touched, the spirit of God would move, kids would get saved, we had it filled... There were no adults in round. This was like 20 years ago. You think we're young now. There were no adults involved in this. At 18, I was the responsible one in charge. They were like, here's the keys to the building. I was like, okay. We would do crazy games. We broke stuff in the church. The pastor's wife would get mad at us. But kids would get saved and lives would change. Now, people look at that and they say, what would you do? Well, at 5 o'clock, we prayed for an hour every week. We got every young leader. We had like 12 or 13 leaders. And when I say leaders, like 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds, and like those were the leaders of this group. We prayed for an hour. Then we said, all right, it's time to pick them up. And I would take my truck. He'd take his Honda Civic. (laughs) He destroyed that Honda Civic. You can sit down if you're embarrassed. But he destroyed that. Somebody else had like an old Mustang. Somebody else had like a Kia. It was like not cool cars. And we go to different neighborhoods. We would spent all this time praying, and then we went and got them. So much so the people in the church said, "You got to stop bringing people to church. Make their parents do it." I was like, "No. Their parents aren't going to bring them." So much so that we were like, "We need a van." But we couldn't like go out and buy a van because we were really young, kind of poor. So we started praying for a van. We asked the pastor for a van. He said, no. We're not getting a van. You got the van, you got the liability, you got all this stuff. But we got all these kids we can't fit anymore in our cars. He said, no. But all these apartment complexes, if we bring a van and we park them at these apartment complexes, we can bring kids to church and they will find Christ. He said, we ain't doing it. And then, but then the money in the church got tight and he started to pray and the money kept getting tighter and he started to pray and God spoke to him in prayer because prayer connects you to the heart of God and said, if you get the youth a van, we'll give you some money. So he got us a van. God put the squeeze on him. God was like, you won't do that? Here you go. Twist. Okay. So number two, be a church of intercessors. Be people who pray. And number three is Uh, Pray for each other. Paul asked. He said, now this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the scripture in your bulletin. He says, pray for me also that the message might be given to me that when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me. Verse 20. For I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I will be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Paul asking you to pray for him is like, I can't even put it into words. Like, this is Paul. It's like Michael Jordan saying, you know, take the last seconds of the game. You take the last seconds of the game. But you're Michael Jordan. We want the ball in your hand. I don't care who. No, no, no. Just you take the last few seconds. You bring it out. No. Paul was the man. But he was humble. He said, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray that I could be bold. This was Paul that when Ephesus was in a riot, they were like holding him back. The whole city is in a riot. Imagine if the whole city was in the stadium downtown, mad at you, and you're like, I got this. No, come on, I got this. I'll talk to all of them. Pray that I'd be bold. You don't understand that. That's ridiculous. But he knew the source of his boldness was not himself. He knew where his strength came from. He prayed. He prayed for all the churches daily and he was not afraid to say, pray for me. The problem, and I'm just pointing it out not to be mean, but why we have so many weak people is because you're acting strong. Strong people are weak, at least in the scripture. When I'm not preaching, which, you know, is not a lot of If the prayer time applies to me, I go get prayer. Because I need prayer. When I'm struggling with something, I text my brother and I say, pray for me. Because I need prayer. And not pray for me. Let's hit a pause. Not pray for me, because we're really good at this and the enemy's sneaky. He's a liar and he's a sneak. Not pray for me under the guise of gossip. Rhonda offends me, she hasn't, but I'll use Rhonda because I don't know that she could ever offend me. Because she's just awesome. But Rhonda offends me. Pray for me, Jonathan, cause cause Rhonda. <laughs> Do you know what Rhonda is doing? It's not praying for you. Don't be a liar. I called a buddy back home, and I said, we have a mutual friend. And I said, hey, how's so-and-so? How's your buddy? They were like best friends. He said, eh, I don't know. I said, like, what, don't you all live next to each other? How far away do you all live? About five minutes. I said, oh, okay. He said, yeah, some stuff happened, but I don't want to get into it. I don't want to gossip. That's powerful. That's powerful. Gossip destroys churches. Gossip destroys families. You have families that won't even talk to each other and they don't know why because somebody said somebody to somebody else to something else and none of it makes sense. So pray for me. Pray for me. Why? Because I'm upset. Because I don't know what to do. Don't counsel me, brother. Pray for me. My wife and I, when we were at the lowest point in our marriage, when we were like at the Brink of getting divorced. We're coming up on getting being married for 19 years. It's a long time. She's almost trained me. <laughs> to, I took her best years. She says, <laughs> "Praise God." But coming up on 19 years, when we were at the lowest point in our marriage, we had been married for maybe three years. Um, things were really bad. What saved my marriage? One of the things was there were two other youth pastors in town. Now, I was a youth pastor with a growing church, with a good, like everything was good. God was giving me vans because of, like, he knew, like he, was on, like, he was on my side. But we were having troubles. One of the things that saved it was there were two youth pastors, and it was the best thing ever. Once a week, they said, I don't even know these guys. They're like, let's get together and let's pray. We didn't talk, I didn't know the guy. But for a year, I would go into his office or he'd come to mine or we'd meet at his house and I'd just fall down on my face and we'd pray together and pray for each other. Some of my best friends, eventually we got our wives in on it because then our marriage started getting better and we're like, all right, let's get the wives in on it and let's let's get everybody in there. And it was a whole thing of just don't talk to me. I love you, but you can't help me. Only Jesus can help me right now. And we just pray. Pray for one another. Paul was bold enough to say, pray for me also. So I, I don't know if you'll get this hack. I don't know that you'll really think prayer is essential for your life. I don't know that you'll actually pray more. One of the worst things about being a pastor is when you feel like you're giving somebody everything you can, they're like, eh, sounds all right. Not for me. You might want to live your Christianity through somebody else. You might be more comfortable with sit and get. You might rather watch an adventure on TV than actually go on an adventure. I don't know who you are. Oops. I'm not perfect. But some of you might be challenged to pray more. Some of you might think about prayer differently. Some of you might actually want to pray more. Um, As as we were praying and as I was praying last night, I felt like God revealed a couple things to me. God spoke a few things to me. I felt like I, I felt called back to the time I remembered, you know, we planted this church two years ago. One of the things we said, we want to see three churches in five years. Would you join me in praying for the next church planner we can send out? I don't know about you, I don't know if it's Aiken, but I think Aiken needs a church. I don't know if it's downtown. I don't know if it's Chapin. I didn't know it was here until I got here. Would you join me in praying for that next man or couple or woman or whoever it is to, to raise up? I felt like a, as we were in prayer this morning, I felt like God was speaking about a few things. Um, one, uh, Ms. Miss, Miss Gail prays, and, and yeah, I believe God speaks. Don't get freaked out. If you think I'm crazy, that's fine. And you can think I'm nuts. But she said, I feel like, some, I feel like God has showed me that the heavens are, are opening up and that God is pouring out hope. And there are some people that are hopeless, but they don't just see it. She didn't know my whole pantry example. But that's the same thing I got last night. You're standing in front of God's blessings, but you don't see it. And it's there. He keeps saying it's there. Don't give up. Don't give up. But I feel like there's some people here that you're crushed by the weight of the season, that maybe this is a difficult season for you, and God wants to strengthen you. I feel there's some people here that that you're broken and you can't put yourself back together and God wants to heal that. There's some people that have some possible some depression issues. It's a thing. God does things. Don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Let somebody pray for you. There's some people that you might have some pride. This is the hard one. The only way to get rid of pride is humbling yourself. And that's not fun if you're prideful. It's a catch-22. Humbling yourself looks a lot of different ways. For me, you will know if I'm really praying if I'm down on my face. Why? I'll just be real honest. Have you ever seen me praying and I have my face on the ground? It's because on the night I was saved, my nose was on the ground, and when I called out to Jesus, he heard me. And the tears came and I remember that man God does not turn away a humble heart and who am I to pray to God and if other religions can make a thing about praying certain times of day and bowing then maybe a Christian could act like they're talking to the eternal ruler of the universe like once in a while not that God can't hear you everywhere but come on now are you praying to God or are you talking to me feel there might be some people here that you're dealing with some back issues. I feel like God wants to deal with that. You know, God can touch bodies. He can. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Would you bow your heads with me, please? So we're going to give an opportunity to pray. You might have a request that wasn't on that list of things that we felt like as we prayed that people might be dealing with. One of those things might be yours. The beauty of it is, nobody's going to know. But we're going to have some prayer teams up here now. So I'm going to invite you guys to the front to come up. And I'm going to be praying with my wife. And it would be foolish to talk about prayer and then not pray. Come on. Wouldn't that be dumb? Be dumb. So stand with me. Maybe you need prayer. Or maybe you don't even want to be prayed for. You just want a space to come and pray. Because sometimes you need a space to come and pray. As we play the music, you are invited to come down. You can come down and come to one of us. We'll pray with you. If you just want your own place, go do that thing. Go get, between, go get before God. Hey guys, I'm Bob.